be. But whatever the case, we just do our best, don't we? We're just going to praise him no matter what. We're going to lift up the great name of the Lord. Appreciate what God has done for you. He's allowed us another Bible study. He's allowed us another day. Now think about that. We assume a lot. He woke us up. He kept his heart beating while we were sleeping. He allowed those lungs to expand. He allowed them to contract and expand. He allowed us to take in and breathe out while we were asleep. And he woke us to a new day. I thank him. Every day that we live is a gift from God. For life truly is a gift from the Almighty God. I love him tonight. We'd like to turn our attention tonight to the book of Ephesians, chapter number 6. We'd like to just read two verses, Ephesians 6, 11 and 12. And this passage, these passage scriptures have been on my heart for just a few days now. And I believe that there is ever a time where this fits so well, the words of the apostle. It's today and the time we're living it right now. Ephesians chapter number 6, verses 11 and 12. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11 and 12. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Would you pray with me tonight? Precious Savior, we love you tonight. We're thankful for your presence, the joy and peace of the Lord we feel right now. We're thankful, God, for your word, and we ask, God, that your blessing and anointing, Lord, be upon every heart and every ear. Lord, let us receive of your word tonight. Let us lift and strengthen and encourage the heart. Lord, tonight as we call upon you, I pray your blessing and anointing upon this mind, upon these lips. I pray your blessing upon the offering and multiply God it for your kingdom. Bless the giver. In all things we give thanks and praise Lord unto you. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. You may be seated tonight. The weapons of our warfare the weapons of our warfare now whether you realize it or not we are at war whether you acknowledge it or not we are in a battle my friend before you come to god you just thought well that was just life that was just a bummer blow that come my way before we come to god we just say that's just part of life that we're going through right now but my friend, when you come to God, when we come to God, we realize when things happen, strange things begin to happen. The writer said, think it not strange when these things happen, because it'll be the trying of our faith. It is the trying of our faith. So what do we do? What do we do when our faith is tried? What do we do when we feel like we are being bombarded with not just cares of life, not just with circumstances of life, but literally the power of hell. You can know it's coming against you. These are not normal days, and this is not normal circumstance that we live in today. So I believe today this message, this word, fits for us today as the church of the living God. You see, the importance of the weapons of warfare are this. We must learn to fight. Church, we must learn to fight. If you don't learn to fight, you know what's going to happen to you? You're going to be beat down and you will be defeated. We're not talking about fighting flesh. We're not talking about fighting people. We're talking about the powers of hell. We're talking about the powers of hell. You see, the early church, they had three weapons they used very, very effectively. Do you know what those weapons were? Number one, their weapon was the word of God. Their weapon was the word of God. Number two, it was the name of Jesus Christ. They used that name of Jesus Christ, and it was a weapon of defense for them. And thirdly, they had the weapon of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. They had received the Holy Ghost experience at Pentecost, the feast, of Pentecost, 
120 in an upper room filled with the Holy Ghost. A crowd was drawn. The apostle Peter preached the message. He said, repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. 3,000 souls believed that message after Peter preached that first sermon. And they baptized them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Filled with the Holy Ghost, now they had power. They had power. You know, when we read in the Old Testament, have you ever thought of this? When we read in the Old Testament, you don't read a lot about fighting against the devil, do you? It's always the Philistines, the Amorites, you know, all those ites. That's what we read about in the Old Testament. But you see, under the law, Blood of animals was what was slain and given, poured on the altar to cover, but not forgive man's sins. It merely covered man's sins, not forgiving them. But in this New Testament grace in which we live because of the Lamb of God who was slain, his righteous blood that was shed on the cross of Calvary changed everything. But even before Jesus was crucified, I remember time after time where Jesus, in fact, he would go into a synagogue somewhere and he began to teach and someone would step up, we know who you are. And that voice would cry out and Jesus would silence them. Be still. And then he would command the evil spirits to come out of them. He would rebuke those demons. We talked recently about the man legion who come running to Jesus full of 2,000 devils. Jesus set him free. So we realize that there is powers of the opposite. There, are, there is an enemy out there, an adversary to you and I. He's an adversary to all, but all does not realize. You know, he's enemy to every man. He's enemy to every woman. He's enemy to every boy and girl. The sad thing is, a lot of people don't know it until they come to God. They just think, as we said before, you know, life's blows and so forth. The Bible says he's come to kill, to steal, and to destroy. His desire is to take anybody out, everybody out he can. And oh, my friend, if it wasn't for the hand of God, many of you, including myself, would not be here right now tonight. But it's because the hand of God, it's because the love of God, we sit here tonight blessed to feel the presence of the Almighty. We sung the song, A Debt. He didn't know it. We owed it. He paid our debt. We couldn't pay it. He forgave us, simply forgave us of our debt of sin. And he gave his life to pay that debt. But the Apostle Paul reiterates the importance. There is an enemy that we're fighting against. Oh, Paul, everywhere he went, he had the same thing that Jesus dealt with. It was all the religious people that was fighting against him. It was the teachers, those of the synagogue. It was those Pharisees, those Sadducees, and even the high priest. They were all against the Apostle in fact, only he himself was part of the persecutors. He, he, remember in the book of Acts, the very first martyr, remember his name? Stephen. The Bible says Stephen was a man of good report, full of the Holy Ghost. Signs, miracles, and wonders were done through the ministry of Stephen. Stephen knew the word of God very good, very well. Very studied in the scriptures. It was Stephen who was accused because those religious leaders were moved with envy. It's a tragedy when those that call themselves Christians are jealous because God's blessing the church across the town and not them. It's a tragedy when God's doing a work in someone's life and others sit back and say, well, this and that, and they pick and and they criticize, we got to get rid of that mentality. That's not of God. That's not of God. That's of the wicked one. How can I say that? Because that creates division. That creates animosity. 
that creates strife. And that is not God. God is not the author of confusion. God is a God of love and of unity and peace. And that's what we seek for. How many desire that unity, that love, and that peace of God in our lives, in our homes, in our families, and certainly in our midst, in the church body? But the Apostle Paul began to stress the importance of the church and its need to be prepared for battle. As we said, we are in war. We are in battle. We have to prepare. A soldier goes to boot camp. A soldier goes to basic training. He is trained how to fight. He is trained how to defend himself. He is trained how to use weapons that are issued to him. He knows how to load, unload, to take apart, disassemble, and assemble his weapon. He knows it inside and out. He must learn how to deal with his eyes closed because it may be in pitch black darkness. He must know how to function when he's under stress. He must learn how to fight even when he's tired and weary. Church, I want to tell you something tonight. God has given you and I exactly what we need today that we not only can fight our enemy, we can defeat our enemy. And that enemy is Satan, the adversary, the devil. God has given you and I the power and the authority through the name of Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul told us as we read tonight that there are weapons and there are things that we should wear. He told us put on the whole. He didn't say part. He said put on the whole armor of God. The whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wilds. What's wilds mean? Anybody know? His trickeries. His deceptions. His deceits, Satan's full of them. We've got to put on that whole armor of God that we can withstand, that we may overcome. We can stand against the wiles of the devil. And he goes on to say, we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. Whenever Paul went somewhere, it was those religious leaders that were rising up against him, stirring up the people. That was not the men themselves. That was the spirit that was driving them. And that spirit was not of God, obviously. And so that spirit that was driving them to come against Paul, he said, listen, church. He addressed them, the church of Ephesus. He said, we must, you must put on the whole armor of God. For us today, it is no exception to the rule. We must put on the whole armor of God. We talked about the things the early church had. Well, we know they had the word of God. They had the name of Jesus. They had the Holy Ghost. What did they do with what they had? Well, they preached the word, first of all. Wherever they went, those disciples preached the word of God. Wherever they were taken under persecution, they would flee where they was, and they went to a new place. They began to preach Jesus Christ and him crucified. They preached that message, and all that would hear the message, many would believe because they knew they knew they needed some help. How many realize we needed help? We needed help. You couldn't do it by yourself. No matter how strong of a man you are, no matter how strong of a woman you may feel you are, no matter how determined you are and how able you are to deal with things of life, none of us are strong enough on our own to fight against the adversary of our soul. Friend, we need some power. We need something that would enable us. That's why in Acts 1 and 8, it said, and ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon on you. He said, you'll be witnesses unto me in Samaria and Judea, all over the world. You're going to be witnesses for me. But it's through the power of the Holy Ghost. So what did they do when they preached and taught the word? There were other things that were done. They still cast out demons. They cast them out. They didn't let them stay. They, through the name of Jesus Christ, also laid their hands on folk that were sick. And the Lord healed them. He raised them up and brought deliverance. And of course, church, they also baptize in Jesus' name. As we continue to do today, 
Aren't you glad for the name of Jesus Christ? I'm glad for the name of Jesus Christ. The book of Colossians chapter 3 verse 17 says, Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all, didn't say some, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. My friend, if we're to do all things in the name of Jesus Christ, why would you leave out baptism? Why would you leave out baptism in his name if the word says you do everything in word and deed in the name of Jesus? Why would you leave out his name in baptism? The name above all names. The one who died for us at Calvary. They declared that name. John 14, 12, verily, verily, Jesus said, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do. I like that. Shall he do also. Do we believe on his name today? If we believe on his name, he said, greater works than these shall you do also. Greater works than these shall you do because I go unto my father. We read in the book of Acts chapter number 19, verse 20. I, I find this very interesting. I'll have brother Joel pull that up for us. In Acts chapter 19, verse 20, there were seven sons of a priest. There were seven sons of a priest. They had heard of all the preaching Paul had been doing and and wherever Paul and the apostles went, man, when they prayed, the power of God fall, the devils couldn't stand up. I want to tell you, when you're praising God and magnify his name, the devils can't stand up. They've got to get out. They've got to go. I don't want them around me. I want the presence of God. I want the love of God. In the book of Acts chapter 19, Brother Joel pulls up for us. It talks about these seven sons of this priest. They were trying to do something that they had no authority to do. What gives you and I authority? Is it your name? No. Is it your parents' name? Is it the mayor's name? Certainly isn't the president's name. Now, I'll just leave that alone right there. There's only one name. That's the name of Jesus Christ, church. The name of Jesus Christ. Only one name. Only one name. They said, we adjure you in the name of Jesus whom Paul preacheth. Come out of him. You don't mess with powers when you have no power. You do not mess with powers when you have no power. Now, I want to go the next step to that. Don't go inviting trouble. But if trouble comes to you, my friend, don't you be afraid. You stand your ground. Because God's given you power that's greater than you, than he that is in this world. We are little children. We're the children of God. He's empowered us. If you've been filled with the Holy Ghost, he's given you exactly what you need to overcome. Don't back down. Stand on the word of God. Plead the blood of Jesus. Declare the power of the name of Jesus. What did Jesus himself do when Satan tempted him? 40-day fast without food and water. Jesus was not only hungry, tired, but physically drained and weakened. We go on a one-day fast and we feel like, oh my, I can hardly make it. And dare we go on a three-day, I don't know if I'll go another day. When God puts it in your heart, he'll give you strength to do what you need to do for him. Forty days, Jesus fasted. The enemy didn't come bombard him day one. The enemy didn't come week one. The enemy didn't come after week two or three. But after a full 40 days of fasting, when Jesus had become weakened, that's when your enemy comes against you. He's not going to come against you when you've been in that 
shout down service. Oh, you've run, you've leaped, you've danced, you got renewed in the Holy Ghost, and you feel like, oh, yeah, I'm on the mountaintop again. Tomorrow may be your valley. I'm not trying to be gloom and despair. I'm just saying. But no matter what comes your way, no matter how you feel, whatever's going on, he's still the God in the valley as he is on the God in the mountaintop. He's still God. He's still God. And we must acknowledge him alone as our strength. He's the only one that can take you through this life. How can I say that? Well, why don't you look at, if, if we had the statistics before us right now, I would guarantee it would be crazy what you would see people who are dying over with drug overdose. What you would see people who have done violent crimes and all that. Why? Because their spirit's driving them. It's not normal thinking because your neighbor's got something you want, you're willing to kill your neighbor to get what he has. That's not normal thinking. I'll tell you where that's coming from. That's not of God. What is our world full of today? Isn't it full of those very things? People have no regard for their fellow man. There was a time when neighbors loved and cared and took care of neighbors, and I'm so glad there's a few that way today. But as a whole, you don't see that anymore. As a whole, you don't see people caring for their fellow man anymore. You know what? It's all about me. What can I get? What can I gain? What can I accomplish? That sounds familiar too, doesn't it? There was one that said that I will be like the Most High. I will sit on the throne. He was booted out. That old ugly spirit tries to get a hold of even God's people. That's why we've got to plead the blood of Jesus. And that's why Paul said we've got to get this whole armor on church. We've got to get on the whole armor of God. These priests, sons, in summary, that man that was full of those demons leaped upon them and beat the snot out of them. He whooped them so miserably that he ripped their clothes off of them. He, he trampled them because they didn't have the power. They were trying to use something they didn't have authority to use. What gives us authority? Let me sing just a little bit of a hymn. I'll try. I'll try <clears throat> What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. There's your authority. There's your authority. They didn't have it. They were trying to use the name, but they didn't have the authority. They had not been evidently washed by the blood of Christ. They had evidently not received the gift of the Holy Ghost, my friend, because seven sons that were full of the Holy Ghost and been baptized in Jesus' name, that devil would have been running out of his shoes. That man would have been running for his life. The demons in him, because it only took one apostle. It only took Jesus to say one word to a man full of 2,000 plus demons. Go. Go. The power of the name of Jesus. That power of the name, oh, name above every name. The lovely name of Jesus. But the Apostle Paul, he addresses the church and he tells us where the enemy, his attack points are. First, Paul tells us where the enemy's attack points are. Secondly, he gives us equipment of defense and offense. He tells us about the whole armor of God. As we have read in Ephesians 6, 11, 12, again we read, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world. And this world is mighty dark. 
It's mighty dark against spiritual wickedness in high places. That's why you and I must be a shining light. That's why we must shine, church. That's why we must not hide our lights under the bushel. That's why we must let this Holy Ghost shine in through us. We do not declare our name. We are nothing. We declare his name. It is Christ in us. Christ in us. There's your power. There is your power tonight. So the apostle tells us about this whole armor. First, the enemy where he attacks first. You can relate to this. Your mind. He will attack your mind. He'll put all kinds of things in your mind. He'll make you think things that are far from the truth. That's what he does. So Paul tells us to put on that helmet. Of salvation. When I used to play football, they issued us a helmet. And that helmet was a hard coating. It was a hard coating. And it had padding on the inside. And so when you went to tackle someone, hit someone, you hoped it never happened, but it happened a few times, and boy, you would it rung your bell when you hit head on head. And it happened. It was not a good thing, even with that helmet on. I remember thinking, whoa. But that helmet protects your brain. That helmet of salvation protects your mind. It keeps your mind's thoughts pure. Because the enemy starts with thoughts, Brother Parker. He'll, he'll put this in your mind. Hey, Brother Parker. So-and-so. That's what he does. He tries to put them lies in your mind. And for long, well, no, Brother Parker's smarter than that. He's been in the word of God. He, he's got on his helmet of salvation. And so Brother Parker says, get behind me, Satan. Good job, Brother Parker. That's the way to drive him, put him in his place. Get behind me, Satan. I rebuke thee in Jesus' name. But if we're not careful, if we listen to that voice, if we listen to that voice and entertain it, church, you'll begin to believe his lies. I want to say it's like this, Brother Will. It's like working in the wood shop. Or the metal shop. You've had several so by splinters. Sometimes you, your, your fingertips are so tough you don't even realize it's there until a few days. It surely does. It begins to get red. Like, Man, that's kind of tender. What's going on there? And you see, a little red bump. What is that? Better get my other specs on. Get a look at that. Oh, oh. Get that needle. And it is festered. You see, when we allow things to stay in our minds that should not be there, our mind begins to fester. It becomes polluted. It gets things in it that should not be there. The enemy wants to defile your thinking. we got to get rid of him. Put on the helmet of salvation, the apostle Paul told us. Get your mind protected Get rid of them thoughts when they come. Listen, if it's not something that's positive, if it's not something that's pleasant, what did Paul say in Philippians 4? Finally, my brethren, watch everything's are pure. Mm, lovely, just, true. He said, if there be any virtue, he said, he'd give a list of things. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. We've got to train our minds. No different than a weightlifter. You start out with small weights with repetition. You gradually increase your weight with repetition. You get stronger. Your endurance increases. You're able to do more. Spiritually is the same. We've got to train our minds and exercise it. And we're going to tell how we do that here shortly. So for us tonight... We've got to realize he's going to come against our thinking, our minds. He wants to pollute your thinking. He wants to defile that mind. Secondly is our heart. The Bible lets us know we, we've got to keep our heart guarded. We've got to keep our hearts guarded because also he wants to get in our heart. The book of Isaiah 59, 17, we're talking about the breastplate of righteousness. Isaiah 59, uh, 17 says, For he put on righteousness as what? A breastplate 
and an helmet of salvation upon his head. And he put on the garments of vengeance for clothing and was clad with zeal as a cloak. The prophet Isaiah mentions this very thing. Paul was drawing his thought from, and he writes to the church in Ephesus about that helmet of salvation and that breastplate of righteousness to guard one's heart. But he didn't stop there. He goes on to the next, and this is vitally important. He said to have our loins girded with truth. Now, if you do not understand in the illustration that we have is a Roman soldier in Paul's day and how he had a belt on him. All this uh, weaponry and armor is reference to the Roman soldier. It was the, the, the fighting force of the day. The Roman soldier was fierce. I've been told that a Roman soldier by himself could defend a 10-foot circle around him. By himself, he was trained so well that with his sword and all he was equipped with, Brother David, anybody got within a 10-foot circle, they were going down because that Roman soldier knew how to fight. He could turn and pivot. He could fight. He had a 10-foot radius around him he could defend. And so when they were packed together, you can think of the fighting force that they were. And that's why they were the rulers of that day. But Paul talks about this, our loins girt about with truth. They had a belt that they had, and the belt that was used for several things. A belt we use, of course, if, if your britches are too uh, a little big, maybe you've lost some weight, good for you. Mine fits just fine. But that belt, that belt... It helped keep, keep you together. All right? In many one, more than one way. This belt was a leather belt that had brass laid over the straps that come from the belt. What was so important, it guarded the loins in battle. But also, let's say you, of course, they wasn't wearing britches like, you know, us men are wearing here. They, they had on, they wore kind of like a tunic deal and whatever, and they had... I don't know a better word to put it. It's kind of like a kilt, you know, the, the Roman soldiers had on. So anyways, sometimes that would get in the way. That belt, they would just take that and tuck it in. And that freed their legs for a battle stance. They were ready to fight. Brother Jared, they were ready to wrestle. They were ready to wrestle. They were in a position now that they could fight without any restrictions. So Paul gives us the example that our loins being girded about with truth was what brings it all together. It's an understanding of the word of God. How can we keep it all together? We've got to get a knowledge of the word of God. 2 Timothy 2.15. Brother Joel can pull for us. Most of us know it by heart. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. It's not man's idea. It's God's word, rightly dividing the word of truth. So for us, we realize the importance of God's word. It helps gird us. Also, we read in 1 Peter chapter 3, Verses 15 and 16. The apostle said these words, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always. You see, that's the main reason as well. We've got to be ready to give a reason of that hope that's in us. He said, and I'll read again, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks of you. That's not always the pastor. Of you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Verse 16, having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as of evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. So you see, by having it all together, our loins girt, about with the truth of the word, we have an understanding and we're ready to give an answer to whoever has a question for us. We've got to be able to point them to Christ. We have to be able to show them and tell them there is a better way to live. 
His name is Jesus. He set me free. He can set you free. He delivered me from this, and he can deliver you. He's done this for uh, so-and-so. He can do that for you. God is that deliverer. Our loins girt about with truth. Pressing forward. 1 Peter 5, 8. And this is vital. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Friend, the most dangerous place to be is in a place where you don't know God's word to use for your weaponry. Satan is looking to devour those that are spiritually ignorant. If you don't have an understanding of God's word, you are easy prey for one who's had thousands of years of practice deceiving mankind. But when we get a knowledge of the holy word of God, we get a knowledge of God's word in our heart, it enables us to decipher good and evil. It enables us to see, hey, you know, something just don't seem quite right about that. You know, at the surface it seems maybe okay, but something tells me I better stay away from that. Something tells me I better get away from that altogether. You see, when we get a knowledge of the word of God, God's word will help quicken our thinking and open our understanding. But it goes on to say, and I love this, our feet shod with the gospel of peace. How many realize God's word brings peace? God's word, it brings peace. How many times have you felt troubled? I, I cannot tell you how many times for myself. How many times have you been troubled and you just sit down and think, I'm just going to get in the word. I open up to the book of Psalm and I begin to read some praises. I begin to read some promises. I begin to read how someone else went through some battles and some hardships and how he cried to God and God heard his cry and God was his deliverer. That tells me God will hear your cry. God will hear my cry and he will become our deliverer as well. God's word brings to us tonight, church, peace. The book of Isaiah 26, verse 3. I love this passage of scripture. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he, oh, come on, because he, come on, everybody say, that's me. That's me, because he trusteth in thee. We're not trusting in men. We're trusting in our God. Men, even with good intentions, will fail you. But God will never fail you. Never. God will never, ever fail you. Next, he said the shield of faith. The shield of faith. The shield of faith was a movable wall. That wall went with you wherever you went. What was it for? Paul said, the fiery darts of the devil. He's throwing them, man, every angle. He's whipping them at you. You got your shield. Like that devil. We've got, we've got spiritual armor. We, we, we have the favor of God, but that's key. I want to stop right there for just a moment. Your armor is only as strong as you remain in favor with God. I am nothing, church. We are nothing on our own. If you think you're so big, you've done it so well that you can do this by yourself, I'm going to be praying for you because I know something's getting ready to happen. God will show you how little you really are. You know what he does at that point, Brother Keelan? Here's, here's my picture. He's got his hand on us. He says, okay. Man, Satan's ready to pounce. Here comes the darts. Here comes a troubled mind. Here comes this. Here comes that. It's a barrage. Remember what happened to Job? God had a hedge about him. Satan couldn't touch him until God gave permission. 
Satan can't touch you as long as you stay in the hand of God. Stay in God's hands. Don't step out of the hands of God. Don't be deceived and try to do it on your own. Your power is puny. The God of this world with a small g will destroy you every time. He will defeat you every time when you think you can remember the seven sons of the priest. They were trying to use a name they had no authority to use. They didn't know what they were doing. That's why we've got to get into words, stay close to God, live our lives for him, stay submitted to God and his word. So that shield of faith, it guards us against, let me just list a few things, negative thoughts, fear. This is a big one, unbelief. Do you know the children of Israel, God's promised land that he had given to them, they forfeited because of unbelief. If you want to get God mad at you, doubt him. If you want to get God mad at you, stop believing the word you hear. I just don't know if I quite agree with that. Okay, you're going to get God mad. If you want that, have a good day. I'm going to go this way because I don't want to be around unbelief. I want to stay close to them that I read about in chapter 11 of Hebrews. It was by faith they overcome. It was by faith they prevailed. They kept their faith and trust in God. The shield of faith. And also it keeps us from getting a rebellious heart. In the book of Romans chapter 10, 17, this church is where we begin to gain. So then faith cometh by, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The word of God. Last but certainly not least tonight, we save the best for last, or at least to me. In the book of Hebrews, chapter number four, verse number 12, we're going to read, we're talking about the sword of the spirit. But let me tell you something. It takes practice. It takes practice because that sword is very sharp. You can hurt the innocent with the sword. We got to be careful, don't we? We do. We got to be careful what comes out of these lips. I've always got to remind myself, up, oh, stop it now. Stop it now. Am I building somebody up or am I discouraging them? Stop it now. Will this lift up my brother or will this discourage my brother? Will this build up my sister or this cause my sister to be discouraged? We got to weigh these things out. What did the word say? Every idle word that we're going to give an account for. I'm a preacher. I'm a pastor. That gives me right. God forbid. God forbid. God help me get my face on, on the ground. God humble me. If I can't do it on my own, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. God, give me a whack or two. Get my attention. I would rather that than to hurt my brother or sister. The Bible says, better a millstone tied around the neck of a man that offends one of these little ones. Now you think on that. Better you had a millstone, my friend, wrapped around you, thrown into the sea, than to harm one of his little ones. God, help us. Help us. Help us. As Holy Ghost, born-again believers of God, help us to encourage each other. Help us to lift up one another. Be careful what we say. Be careful what we say. The enemy is always looking to take advantage of a slip word. Have I ever done it? Unfortunately, yes, I have. Yes, I have. Brother Wilson, I cannot tell you how many times I've had to go to people and say, please forgive me. I have. Since I've been living for God, 30 plus years, I've had to go to people. 
Sometimes it was in my ignorance. I heard something before I found out the truth. How many realize there's two sides to every story? It's never, never one-sided. Never. I'm not always right. In fact, at best, I'm probably 50%, and I'm being generous for myself. Until we study the facts, we hear the truth of the matter. Always two sides. You know the best thing to do? Somebody help me before I say it. Anybody know what it is? Sister Wills? I, oh, absolutely. Prayer is key. But we're going back to the word. Be swift to hear and slow to speak. Be swift to hear, but slow to speak. Think it out before you say it. See if there's any merit to it before you disclose it with someone else. Because then we add our shame to someone else. And we cause them to falter. Oh, God help us. We're talking about putting on the whole armor of God. We're talking about keeping ourselves prepared. Keeping our hearts right, our lives right, that we may please God. You see, the sword of the Spirit takes skill to wield that. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. God, help us. Help us to take your word and cherish it. Take it close to our hearts and embrace it and use it to edify and uplift. Oftentimes when I've made mistakes, I have been haunted with the words of Jesus who simply said this, judge not that you be not judged. Oh God, help me. I, I want, how many wants to be a better child of God? How many wants to please him? You know, the toughest thing we conquer right there for such a small member, James says it boasts some mighty big things that tongue boasts and for, you know, pride takes its way. I did this. I done that for, you know, pride begins to overtake us. And if we're not careful, instead of God getting glory for the things that have been done in our lives, we want to take credit for what God has done. Church, I want to give God the glory always, at all times. If anything is ever done by me, thank the Lord. Don't you feel that way? Thank the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We give you the praise. We give you all the honor. We give you all the glory. Thank you, Lord, for the strength you gave me to do what needed to be done. But God, it was you. Lord, it was you that adds the increase. It is you that heals the sick. It is you that raises the dead. It is you that sets the captive free. I can't do it. You can't do it. Only he can if we'll become an instrument in the hands of the Lord. To be that instrument in the hands of the Lord, Paul said, we've got to learn to put on that whole armor. Get that helmet on your head. Get that breastplate upon your chest. Get your loins girt about with truth. And my friend, get your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel peace. Get that shield of faith and hold it up high. Yet, having that sword of the Spirit in your hand, ready to encourage somebody, ready to uplift somebody, ready to tell somebody he is the way, he is the truth, he is that light, and he will bring real life to you. Only Jesus can satisfy the soul. Only Jesus can satisfy our souls. Tonight, as we bring this Bible study to a close, the weapons of our warfare, remember, we're not fighting against men. 
We're not fighting against flesh and blood. We are fighting against a foe that unless we keep that armor on, we face defeat. But with the armor of God on and carrying that sword in our hands, we are more than conquerors through Christ. He makes us more than conquerors. I want to be a conqueror for Jesus Christ. I want to conquer and take ground for Jesus Christ. I want to see souls saved. I believe we're wrapping up. If you're a runner and you've ever been in a race, my friend, you're going around that track, that last bend. That's where we are. We're going around the last bend. And the finish line is just coming into view. Jesus is getting ready to come for his bride. Who will his bride be? His bride will be, of course, those who have been born again of water and of the Spirit. But a tragedy remains that there were five wise and there were five foolish. The five wise kept on the garment. They had their lamps full trimmed and kept the light burning. It lets me know they kept their armor on. It lets me know they didn't take off their helmet. They didn't lay down their sword. My friend, they kept their feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. They allowed God to guide them. Oh, I want to be of that church of the living God. I want to be a part of the church that's moving through the land. It's not a time to lay down armor. It's time to put it on. Buckle on your armor tonight, church, and let the Holy Ghost empower you. Because only through Jesus will we stand. Sing it, Sister Pam.